Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Good Thursday morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. You've got Mac and Max. That would be John McMullen and Jody McDonald. And John, just one year ago, we were doing a lot of talk today. A lot of talk about the Eagles getting ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl, but the Philadelphia Eagles are not, not really even close. So we're still doing a lot of talking about talking. It's just not for an upcoming game. It's for upcoming seasons and the future and the like. Uh, both Jason Kelsey and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith out doing broadcasting slash media spots yesterday. Um, no real moves for the Eagles. No new coaching hires. Not even any rumors about who Kellen Moore and or uh, Vic Fangio may be looking at to bring into the Eagles coaching staff going forward for next year. Um, yeah, maybe some talk down at the uh, senior ball, but we'll get to that. First things first, Jason Kelsey, New Heights, New Heights podcast. Real this time, kind of for me, bent over backwards to sing the praises of Nick Sirianni. Uh, of course, Jason is a straight shooter, and he's not going to be yes shoot if he is truly leaning toward retiring. You can go ahead and empty both loads if you want. Who cares? You're not coming back. You're not playing for the guy again. If you really didn't like him, you could just fire away all you want. That was not the case. He talked up Sirianni pretty good. I saw the clip on uh, New Heights from uh, he and his brother talking about uh, Sirianni staying as the Eagles coach. He thinks he makes it sound like John, this new role that the head coach is going to have as a CEO is right up his alley that he is a good in-game coach, <clears throat> situational football, and the, the team still loves him and trusts him. 
he sung the praises of the coach pretty good. You think he really believes that? Do you think that's him just being a good eagle? What did you take of, uh, at least for me, uh, the Eagles center, which I still believe he will be again next year, going uh, above and beyond to sing the praises of his coach? Not out of the ordinary at all. He's always sung the praises of, of Nick Sirianni. You know, it's interesting. I don't understand this. Oh, Nick Sirianni's going to be a CEO coach. He already has been a CEO coach. That's not the issue. That that literally doesn't change. It's the pieces around him. But there's this weird narrative. And by the way, the Eagles are pushing it. That, oh, now he's becoming a C- He He already was. That part of it isn't changing at all. So, and I know we got to ask the question and, you know, it was awkward at, at the press conference about, you know, essentially office space. Like I said, what do you do here? Um, and oh, by the way, you, you thought it was a legit question. Oh, yeah, didn't you? It's a legit question. Our buddy, Tim McManus. Yeah. yeah. It's a very legit question because again, the, 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 the offensive part of it, Nick was pretty consistent. This is my offense, my offense, no matter what, blah, blah, blah. Jody McDonald can run it. It's my offense. No matter who, as long as I'm here, it's my offense. Ad nauseum. And then it became our offense. I said, mm-hmm. it's one word, my to our, but it speaks volumes. That's yep. what I wrote. Sure it at does. The time. Um, and that's the, that's the difference. And the, uh, the, the, all the nebulous and moving parts around them. So the CEO part, the leadership, the connection with people, this shouldn't be news. This has been going on since his first season when he handed off play calling to Shane, Shane Steichen. Um, that part of it doesn't change. The part of it that changes, again, is the pieces around him, uh, some of the power he has, and we have to see how that unfolds. Um, but clearly, around all I can say is around the league, the belief is he was ordered to fired, fire certain people. And I don't think that's ever a good thing. And, you know, you mentioned the the coaching staff, and, and we'll see. There was a bit of news. Devontae Smith let it uh, s- slip. Now, it's not confirmation, but evidently Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, who for some reason has latched on to Phil, I still don't understand. He's very Philadelphia. He loves Philadelphia. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from or what. He doesn't have a history here. But whatever, evidently he's been lobbying to join the staff as the wide receiver uh, coach. And Kay, Kay Adams asked uh, Devontae about that. And he said, I love Ocho, man. I'm excited Amo, uh, Aaron Moorhead, is here. So I'll go with what we have. I'm excited he's still with us. Now, that's not confirmation um, because, you know, they're not in the building now. He, he's still with them today. He might be no longer with them by this afternoon. Alan Moore isn't even uh, officially announced as offensive coordinator. So once they get Kellen in the building, he might want something different. So by no means is that a confirmation. But, you know, I imagine Devontae and AJ are texting with Aaron pretty consistently. So, you know, maybe it is more than and, – and I would take that as a good sign because – you know, that's a guy who's going to be loyal to to Nick Sirianni, and it'd be good to keep some of those guys, whether it's, you know, we know Kevin Petullo is essentially going to stay, but Jamal Singleton, uh, you know, obviously Stoutland's going to stay. Um, 
maybe Jamal uh, as the assistant head coach, um, as well as the running backs coach. I think it'd be nice to have a little bit of ecosystem of people he trusts. Not that you can't gain trust, um, but you know you, that has to be a a, a growth that has to be earned. You know, you, you don't know a bunch of people and they just show up. You're not going to have that same relationship as you had with the other staff. So, as I said, but by no means is it confirmation, and I, and I tried to get confirmation, couldn't get it, that Aaron is coming back. But I, I was surprised it's even gone that far. He was one of the guys that I thought would be, you know, like Alex Tan, he was given permission, given permission to look for other jobs because he's not coming back. I thought Aaron would be in that category. Evidently, he's not. And that's often a bad place to be for coaches because they want to keep you, if you're under contract, they want to keep you from interviewing other places so the offensive coordinator can make his own decision. So it might be as simple as that. And right. Kevin Moore comes in and says, you know what, I got a guy. But at least the door, there's a sliver open, and I think that would be a good thing. Let me ask you about Moorhead. Um his tie to Sirianni aside, your whole point of it'd be nice to have a balance between new coaches and old coaches and guys the head coach is familiar with and uh, feels a loyalty to and a whole new room and having to build all that trust. Put all that aside for a second. What kind of job do you think he's done? Because Devontae Smith, very good production, very good receiver, Showed up as a very good receiver. Don't know that Aaron Moorhead made him any better, made him any worse. Same thing with A.J. Brown. We know how talented A.J. was the day he walked in the door. And if anything, his I think his production, his game has gone up some since he got here. How much credit do we give Aaron Moore? How much do we hold it against Moorhead that they have not come close to developing anybody else in the three years that he's been here? Quez is Quez. They bring in Alameda Zacchaeus. He seemed to make catches when they threw him the ball, but they didn't throw him the ball a whole hell of a lot. How, how do you uh, rate what he's done in his job, relationships aside? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're right. I mean, from the standpoint of, of developing young receivers, the Eagles haven't been good at that for years now, uh, pre-Aaron Moorhead. Thoring Aaron Moorhead, hopefully it sh if they do move on. He was one of the guys who I said, yeah, he's probably not going to be back for that exact reason. Um, how much of it is Aaron Moorhead versus, um, you know, they don't like get Corley. anybody. Yeah. yeah, they don't get anybody involved. <laughs> they just don't. Um, and again, I it, is it part, it's part play calling, it's part, scheme uh you know nick says all the time it runs through aj Devonte dallas as it should but other people have big time playmakers and they manage to get somebody else involved occasionally how much of it comes down on the quarterback I, I i don't know so it's tough but they they should know how he's doing in practice and whether i say you know position coaches it's about getting a player a little bit better and i will say DeMonte Smith has gotten consistently better. Yes, you're working with a great template when he came in. Um, A.J. Brown has had career seasons back-to-back. -back. As good as he was in Tennessee, he wasn't this good. So he's yeah. gotten better. Um, you know, that has to factor into it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's tough to say when you're talking about how have guys improved players. Um, 
but they haven't been able to um, develop younger players. And um, you could point that finger in a bunch of directions. And, oh, by the way, on the uh, Kay Adams show that you uh, referenced, uh, having both AJ and Devante on at the same time on her Up and Adams show, uh, she did ask about rumors that AJ Brown is going to be traded. Ugh. And it's it, this has been ongoing since, Ugh. shoot, midseason or whatever. And I, I understand it. People, anytime anybody acts up on the sidelines or walks out of the locker room before talking to the media, oh, we got to get him out of town. We got to run this guy out. He's not one of us. And it's just foolishness and it's overreaction by the fan base. I don't know if you want to point the finger at any of your pals on the beat. I, I don't think there's right. one of them that has said, I don't, I don't, and the Eagles need to look into training AJ Brown. It's purely a fan thing and it's ludicrous and it's ridiculous. Somebody made the point. I think it was uh, Zingaro on NBC Sports Philly last night. I hadn't done that homework yet. They take a $29 million dead cap. Well, yeah, I put it. I said they have a $41 million dead money hit, a $29 million cap hit. I put it on Twitter. I go, come on, people. He's not getting traded. No, he's Look, not. there's, 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 uh, and that's pre June 1st. Now, after June 1st, I said it, it it lightens up a lot. However, yeah, now and that's cutting him. If you trade him, if you trade him before the draft, no, when you trade. get your hands on draft pick, then it's not pre June first. It's pre June first. You can't push it back. You yes. can only push it back if you want to cut him. Yes, um, you 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 can trade somebody post June first, but you can't designate it. As you said, with with just cutting somebody, you can designate it right a post June uh, cut. So you can work, manipulate things. You can't do that with a trade. You have to wait. You have to wait till June 2nd. So what's the problem with that? June 2nd, it comes down. The dead money's 10 and a half million. The cap hit comes all the way down to basically 2 million. So it's easy to trade them post June 1st. Then then people go, we'll just wait till June 1st. Well, understand the NFL calendar. As you said, you want draft picks, right? Well, the draft is long gone. What's that draft pick going to do for you in 2024? Nothing. It'll make you a worse team. Exactly. So, number one, that's part of it. And also, pre and also budgeting. Teams budget, right? Free agencies in March starts March 14th or whatever, March somewhere in that range. Um, they they budget all their money, and then you want them to bring in a hundred million dollar receiver on June 2nd. Now, you never say never because this is such a talented player. And if he does one out, which he doesn't, I told people the social media stuff was about his mental health and people trolling and he's trying to get away from it. And he said that he confirmed that. And I'm glad he confirmed it on the record. That's what he told me. That's what he told beat reporters. That's what he told um, the Eagles PR staff. It had nothing to do with the Eagles. Had nothing to do with football. Had to do with his mental health and getting away from the cesspool that is social media, which I applaud him for. Um, and he's had some issues in the past, so that's good for his own well-being. Um, had nothing to do with the Eagles. Now, long term, and the, the legitimate process is at some point you're gonna have Devontae's gonna have to get paid as well, and then can he pay two receivers? 
that's a legitimate question, but that's for 2024. That's not right. this season. That's so not this season. You don't have to worry about that leading into this season. It's going to be a handful. Howie's going to have to work some cap magic to make that work if they want to go forward past this year with both guys. But uh, they're, they're worried about this se- upcoming season. Not $29 million cap hit. If you yeah, want to trade him for not, draft picks this year. Come yeah, on. not happening for people. Uh, he is McMullen. I am McDonald. We see the John Stolness has jumped into our Get Ready Green Room. Uh, our friend from Bleeding Green Nation and the Eye on the Enemy podcast has not been on since uh, the Eagles season came to an abrupt halt. Uh, so we get Johnny Stolness up next here with us on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles.
You got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald, and we are joined by John Stolness from Bleeding Green Nation and his Eye on the Enemy podcast. Uh, we haven't talked to John since the season ended uh, and I uh, want to go back and look what the Eagles did wrong, why we're not talking about an upcoming Super Bowl game, and why we're not talking about Andy Reid on the Philadelphia Eagles sideline. Did you really go there, Stolness? <laughs> Let's revisit I, Andy Reid should have never been fired, really? That's where you went this week? Well, I'm, I more went there, and for folks who read the article on BleedingGreenNation.com, I asked the question, should the Eagles have fired Andy Reid, or did they make a mistake? And the question is, no, they didn't make a mistake firing Andy Reid, because there's a whole litany of butterfly effect things that would have needed to happen in order for Andy to have the kind of success in Philadelphia that he's had in Kansas City. The biggest one, of course, Patrick Mahomes. And so it's like, could the Eagles have gotten him if Reed was here? And that's basically what the article was about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, you know, it was interesting. Alex Smith did an interview somewhere, guys, where he had mentioned Brett Beach, who's the Chiefs GM and Andy. They had their eyes on Patrick Mahomes from when he was a freshman at uh, Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um so it was a long time in the coming. So you never know. They could have. I think people forget. Like the Chiefs were lambasted at the time for trading up as high as they did for Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't like he was. He ended up, I, I believe, being the tenth overall pick. They took a lot of heat. You know, you get out the Google machine and look it up. They were like, "What are you doing, going up that far, giving up that much for Patrick Mahomes?" So yeah, and it's it, and possible if, he could have manipulated it, but it, well, yeah, and if Reed is still there and. And, and you know, the, the Eagles moved heaven and earth to go get Carson Wentz the year before moving up to number two. If Andy Reid is still there, well, they, maybe they don't maybe they don't do that. Maybe they don't move heaven and earth because they had to move heaven and earth to yeah. go get Carson Wentz yeah. at number two. They moved maybe up they just, twice. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe they play it straight in the 2016 draft and, and they, you know, if Reid um, and, and who knows how much of it was Reid, how much of it was the, the, you know, the Kansas City front office, they really had their hearts set on Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Maybe they are targeting 2017 for that guy and maybe he's in Philadelphia. He just, again, it's all of the different things that go into this, but to sit the, there and the, think the, that the, the the thing I think people forget, though, John, I everybody, Andy's great. Don't get me wrong. And if they would have stuck it out, he would have figured it out and they would have got good, good again. I do believe that. But there were so many family problems at the yes. time. I think that's the bigger issue. I think Andy had to leave, get his head straight, uh, do some things. And he said, obviously, unfortunately, more issues in Kansas City. So that's a lot of things people don't talk about. People don't think about. From a football standpoint, he's so good, he mm-hmm. would have figured it out. But I think everybody's got a shelf life. Even Bill Belichick, we say, right, you know, twenty five years, but Twinkie likes shelf life, but he's got a shelf life. Well, and in hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But when you're in the moment there, and you see what happens with with Andy Reid, you know the Don of the McNabb era ends, the Michael Vick era ends, and you don't really have a whole lot there at, at, at quarterback, and the team is slowly turning from a playoff team to a 500 team and then it's a four win team and they lost i think they lost 10 out of their last 11 uh in andy reed's final season there so i mean it was it was falling apart and no coach has ever done what andy reed's done in his second act someplace else you don't generally speaking see a 14 year head coach with one team get to a super bowl go through all that success and then you start to come down the mountain you don't often then see that quarterback 
reclimb that mountain to the extent Andy Reid has done over these last few years, where they're in four Super Bowls in five seasons. There was no reason for anyone to expect that if Andy Reid did go on someplace else, that he would have the kind of success that he did. Because remember, in his first few years in Kansas City, when he had Alex Smith as his quarterback, yeah. it was very much the same as when he was in Philadelphia. He yeah. makes some playoffs, losing the wild card round, losing the divisional round. Yeah, he won a lot of games. That's that's the bro. He won a lot of games with Alex Smith. Yeah, yeah, but you're not a Super Bowl contender. You're right. He he's this was his 11th season in Kansas City. Um, as you mentioned, he's never had a losing season. So he's Mike Tomlin did. He's made the playoffs ten times. He's won. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive uh, AFC West titles. You mentioned all the championship games, the Super Bowls. Yeah, the second act's better than the first act, and the and the first act was pretty damn good. And one of the best five coaches of all time. I want to give Andy credit for something that we talked around here. At the time, people go, well, Alex Smith makes some playoffs every year. Why the hell do you need to trade up yeah. and take a quarterback yeah. when you got a quarterback who makes the playoffs every single year? Not only did he do that, but then he stuck him on the bench for a year and said, <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to get this kid up to speed the way I want to get him up to speed. And so you get aggressive to move up and trade for him and then sit him down. Yeah. That wouldn't have worked out more perfectly. So all the credit in the world for Andy Reid and what he's doing. Is he going to do it again come next Sunday? They're underdogs again. People, well, here in Philadelphia, you know, but I guarantee you nationally people forget. Eagles were favorite in the game last year. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs were not the favorite. The Eagles are a point and a half favorite at kickoff. And as of right now, it looks like pretty much the exact same line, one and a half, two. 49ers are favorite. Are they just relishing the underdog role? They've done it a couple of times now on this little playoff run. Is uh, Kansas City once again going to be up there on the podium come next Sunday? You know, it's funny. Vegas has Kansas City as the underdog. But if you're looking at expert picks, at least the early ones so far, I think the vast majority of experts are picking Kansas City to win this football game. And and there's a couple different reasons why. It's been almost 30 years since the 49ers have won a Super Bowl. I had forgotten the Cowboys have won a Super Bowl more recently than the San Francisco 49ers, which is which is kind of crazy to think about, given the success the 49ers have had and the way the Cowboys have have been pretty mediocre for a lot of that time but if you're looking at the you know i look at the quarterbacks you know brock purdy's had a very good season um you know he was an mvp candidate for sure patrick mahomes is special in the playoffs andy Reid is special in the playoffs and i just don't think the 49ers have played all that well here in the playoffs so far they struggled to beat the packers they almost lost to jordan love in that game they should have lost to the lions i mean if if any one of the things that went wrong in the second half for detroit doesn't go wrong the lions probably pull that game out so it took a catastrophic amount of mistakes both uh, from the coach and from the players and execution and everything like that for the 49ers to survive that NFC championship game. So I, I see them going into Sunday. I think it's going to be a close game. Obviously the 49ers are a very talented roster. I think they've got the more talented roster than Kansas city, just like last year when the Eagles yeah. had the more talented roster, there is something about Patrick Mahomes. The only super bowl Patrick Mahomes has lost was to Tom Brady. So I think it's going to take I think it's going to take a lot for San Francisco to play their best game against a Chiefs team that is vulnerable. I mean, I know their offense hasn't been what it has been in past seasons, but I just feel like they're going to find a way to get it done. They they almost always do. Yeah. 
it's hard. You know, I'm with you, John. I thought the Eagles had the better roster mm-hmm. uh, last season. I thought Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field in mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Um, the Eagles had the the ten point lead, um, and they didn't finish the deal. And this oh, time, and I think. Remember, we thought Mahomes was hurt. Remember going into yeah, half time, oh, yeah. he looked like oh, he was yeah. hobbling off yeah. the field. Oh, yeah. that was. Ugh. And San Francisco, I'm I'm the same way. They have the better roster. Um, they have more good players, but boy, I I can't. It's early. And maybe somebody can change my mind, but I can't pick against this quarterback and this coach in that spot. Yeah. Um, they've won six consecutive playoff games now since losing the AFC championship game against Joe Burrow a, a couple years ago. Um, it's an amazing run. Um, and 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 you know, Jody always says, Why is Travis Kelsey always open? Giving Kay Adams a lot of play this morning, and Kay does a great job. So uh, she had Luke Keekley on. Mm-hmm. He says nothing he does is on script. You know, Holmes and Kelsey have sort of this mind meld yeah. going where, and you saw it with the play over the middle mm-hmm. uh, in the AFC championship game. I mean, you shouldn't make that play. And you yeah. saw it last year in the Super Bowl when yeah. everybody's crapping on Jonathan Gannon and the scheming uh, of Andy Reid and, and this and that. It comes out the NFL films broadcast. They got Patrick Mahomes mic'd up. They they lined up wrong. And Patrick Mahomes said, All right, you go there, you go to and they run the play and they win the game, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. You, yeah. you, you know, I hate bringing up greatest of all time talk. We had Clark Judge on yesterday, who's a historian, knows this game inside and out, John. Mahomes has got to start going in that. He's not there yet because you got to throw longevity in it. Right. But he's in the conversation already. And this is his six years of start. He's made the championship game at least every single season. It's yeah. amazing. It, it, I remember back when Joe Montana was was dominating the 80s, we thought, you know, going to four Super Bowls over the course of, uh, what was it, 11 years or whatever, was was amazing and would never be topped or anything like that. I, I can't believe we're moving on from Tom Brady and the Patriots right to another dynasty that is comparable um, and may, at the end of it, who knows how long this goes on for. I, it's, it's hard to imagine it'll have as much longevity as Brady and the Patriots did, that Mahomes will be as good for as long as Brady was because we've never seen anyone like Brady before. But it's if you're talking about in terms of concentrated uh, uh, high level of, of success and play, the Chiefs are, are doing what the Patriots did. They're doing more than what the Patriots did at the start of their of their dynastic run back in the early 2000s. So, I mean, it's it's unbelievable that we're watching it happen again. And it is unbelievable that we're watching Andy Reid do it. A guy who had this, it wasn't a glass ceiling, right? It was a concrete ceiling that he had on the, on the conference championship game that he just, yeah. it was so hard for him to get through. And now it seems like he, he can't help himself but winning these conference championship games. And, yeah. you know, they've just got, they've got all the momentum in the world the, the it, Chiefs it, do right now. And guys, that six-year run, fourteen and three in the playoffs. Think about that. That's an NFL season, seventeen games <laughs> against the best competition. Mm-hmm. Fourteen and three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Johnny Stoneless, let's bring it back to the birds. And I All saw right. a couple people comment on our stream that uh, I specifically <laughs> pointed out to fans are the ones that want to trade AJ Brown, not the actual Eagles or members of the media. And they did point to two individuals. 
Dan Cilio here on Jacob Media, and I guess Jack Fritz on WIP yesterday. Not only said they're going to trade, he came up with a potential trade for A.J. Smith. Send him to Denver and bring back uh, the quarterback that the Eagles actually were considering drafting a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, fans, if you need me to call those two guys on the carpet, I'm officially calling them on the carpet. Stelio <laughs> and Jeffrey. Oh. He's not being traded, okay? By it's the way, not happening. I, no matter how me, creative a trade you come up with, it's not happening. By the way, why is it so hard for fans? Because I get this all the time when somebody says them. The media. Like, John Stolness yeah. and Jody McDonald and I don't get together and talk about what we're going to do <laughs> each day. Like, John's responsible for what he says. I'm responsible for what I say. Jody's responsible. Why is that so hard for people to uh, 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 ascertain? Or like, well, the media, mm -hmm. like we're meeting every you yeah. know, Thursday at Chickie's. Chickie's you, you didn't, you're not in on the Illuminati text no. chain? Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not. All right. You see that? Yeah. I'll get you on there. Yeah, work on that for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is it is bizarre and you know i think a lot of times the the players involved they don't they're not i mean maybe they are you know keeping track of names and got their little book now saleo fritz well, some, okay, do. You know. some do some do but a lot of them just hear it out there and or, or people are saying like hey did you hear what the what the media are saying to about about you getting traded or something like that and so that's just it's an easy way for them to talk about it. It's also for players, you know, sometimes they they like to use the media as a, as a foil oh, right? Sure. To, for, yeah. for motivation. And so a lot and of it coaches is, do coaches yeah. do all the time. Yeah. What I get annoyed with is when an out of town media outlet or a national media outlet says Philly media is talking about trading A.J. Brown. And it's how many people are in Philly media talking about the Eagles on a, on a daily basis? It's dozens, right? I mean, and so if you've got yeah. one or two people out of, you know, if you've got like five tenths of a percent, 1% of the Philly media talking about a hair, a harebrained trade idea that has no, no basis in reality, suddenly the entire Philadelphia market is looking to trade AJ Brown. Yeah. And it's just, it's obviously silly. I don't think most people believe that on its surface, but if you're just kind of casually paying attention, you're not, really online you're not on twitter every second of the day keep a track of who's saying what and you just start hearing these rumblings that you know that we're going to trade aj brown what would we do that for it can be a little bit disconcerting there's just there's levels of engagement that some fans have yeah. that others yeah. don't and that's where it all gets kind of melded yeah together and, and 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 by the way if you're a, a talk show host and you bring up something for to talk about on the radio but you, you know the people who cover the team on a daily basis say yeah that's not possible i mm -hmm. mean 29 million cap hit 40 you know so you can say whatever you want to say and you can have your opinion it just doesn't fit um where the eagles are with aj brown now next season we might be having a different conversation right. but you know D jody brought up dave zangaro covers the team on a daily basis i put it out there cover the team on a daily basis <laughs> those people know well yeah this is they love patrick sertan that part's true they wanted to draft him uh they they were kicking tires on him at the trade deadline seeing if denver would 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 go that direction they love the players, so some of the pieces fit, and it, it you know. But when you look at the reality, twenty nine million against the cap, forty one point three million in dead money. The timing, yeah, it just doesn't work out. Well, and I, I even if you throw all that aside, which I mean you can do if you're just you know playing fantasy football, but when you have yeah. to think about real trades, I 
this is an offensive league. Like, why would you trade one of the five best wide receivers for one of the five best cornerbacks? Like, I know this team needs help on defense, right? I, I get it. And I get that A.J. Brown would probably also bring in some draft picks on top of that. I'm, I'm not – this team's track record on, on the draft is spotty. They've had some hits. They've had some misses. And there's still a lot of big question marks from, from some of these yeah. recent drafts. So, I mean, <clears throat> you know A.J. Brown is a top five wide receiver. I, I shudder to think what this offense would look like without him in there. We've already I, seen it. Yeah, it's We've awful. already seen it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the other part of it. I ended my comp. I said, John, on the plus side, uh, and by the way, there's always one guy who didn't get it. I said, on the plus side, you're also losing your best pure football player. So yeah, yeah go, go, go trade him. And sure enough, there was one guy who didn't get the sarcasm. Well, so not the, only the other thing too yeah. is there people think Brown is some clubhouse cancer. That's the other thing I'm seeing. You know, he's always yeah. he's killing the locker room. He's doing this. And listen, I'm not in the locker room, but everything you hear is is that he's not exact that guy. opposite. He's exact, exact opposite. opposite. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I just yeah. stop. Let me ask you about another guy who was uh, quoted yesterday on his New Heights podcast, uh, big media personality. Uh, that would be the Eagles starting center. And I say the Eagles starting center because, yeah, it, you take stances when you're doing mm -hmm. it here on uh, Jacob Media. I'm doing it on WIP. You're doing it on Bleeding Green. John's doing it on SI. We take stances. My stance is Jason Kelsey's going to be back for another year. Do mm -hmm. I know this? No. Pure right. speculation on Jody McDonald's part. But I'm reading the tea leaves, and I think the guy's coming back. And if he is coming back, he took his coaches back big time yesterday. Yeah. There's one thing endorsing a guy and saying, good. I, I just thought uh, that Jason was really going above and beyond to say how good a job Nick Sirianni has done to this point. Maybe the best coach he's ever played for and relating to players and the like. Uh, again, I look at it through the eyes of, and Jason's coming back. He may not come back. And if he doesn't, then he sure as hell didn't have to go as hard as he did to back Sirianni. Right. What did you make? both in the moment and looking forward of Jason Kelsey going out of his way to tell us how good a coach Nick Sirianni has been and mm -hmm. will be going forward. Well, Jason has said whether he comes back to play or not, he still wants to be involved in the organization in some way. So I don't know exactly what kind of role that would be, but it might be as part of a, a Nick Sirianni staff. And 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 maybe that's, maybe that's the way it, it ends up going down. I agree with you. I tend to think he's coming back. And I think his defense of Nick Sirianni is genuine. I mean, I, I think... I think that there are many things that Nick does that the players like and that is effective, right? And it sounds one of the things that Jason was talking about was the accountability part of it and that he holds himself accountable. And we have to go back and remember, I mean, everybody's down on Sirianni and for very, very good reason right now. But the man demoted himself in his first season, taking play calling duties away from him, taking something out of his coaching tool belt in order to benefit the team. I think that goes, I think that went a long way in the locker room. And I think that engendered a lot of trust with the players. Like he's willing to sacrifice something he's always wanted to do in order to make the team, in order to make us better. So it just, based on what Kelsey has been saying, it really does seem like that, and I will never underestimate, I remember us talking about it before the season, I, I underestimated the switch in the coordinators. I really didn't think it would be that big of a deal. I didn't Guilty. think they would. Same here. And, and and obviously we were wrong about that. And, and it sounds as though with Kellen Moore I thought it now, would be a big deal. You did. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel, I feel dumb now and I'll never make that no, mistake no, no. again. I'm I'm <laughs> but joking. with, I think the fact that they got the fact that Nick Sirianni is going to stay, they know what they have in the head coach. 
And with Kellen Moore, I think Kelsey, and this is why I think he'll be back. I think he's, I think he's excited and interested to play in an offense run by a veteran offensive play caller who, if you, you know, based on what he did in Dallas has ways of changing this offense quite dramatically. I, I think that, I think that excites Jason Kelsey and we know he can still play at a high level. That's why I think he'll be back. And I think that's one of the reasons why he has been talking Nick Sirianni up so much. It's, I, it feels to me like now that he's getting some time away from the season, away from the disappointment, away from the anger and, and the and the locker room and everything like that, I think he'll be back. too. Yeah. That's, in the way it's gone, he recharges his batteries and says, uh, I always joke, it's really about the Novacare cafeteria. He doesn't want to leave that. Um, <laughs> um, and, he, and he comes back. I hope I'm wrong again, uh, and I hope he does come back. I do think he's going to retire. We'll see how that shakes out. But uh, when it comes to the coach, because I haven't talked about this with you, John, I just want your overall assessment of the setup. And not only because I think this whole, Oh, he's going to be a C he's been a CEO coach, as you mentioned, since mm -hmm. uh, halfway through his first season. Uh, so that part of it's not different. They've taken away though, pretty significant power when it comes to building what he used to call my offense mm -hmm. versus what is now the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Um, he's now being surrounded with uh, coaches who have good reputations, uh, but he doesn't know. Um, so there's not that loyalty aspect of it. Um, you know, I've criticized Jeffrey Lurie on two fronts. I, I shame on Jeffrey Lurie for not understanding that a first-time offensive coordinator would have some hiccups and a de young defensive coordinator who's only done it for one year would have some hiccups. Um, but your overall assessment of everything, the setup, what they put, the position they put Nick Sirianni on, and, mm -hmm. and can it be tenable moving forward? I thought uh, uh, Bleeding Green Nation's Joe Santa Liquido had an interesting article a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about Hertz and some of the other issues with the coaching staff. And he was he was saying insiders were essentially telling him, and you can see this in training camp, was that Sirianni had to do way more coaching of the coaches in training camp than he had to do previous to that. Brian Johnson and Sean Desai needed more handholding. They needed a lot more coaching from, from Nick Sirianni if, if the reporting is to be believed. And based on what we saw during the course of the season, I, I can believe that. That makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so I, I think Sirianni took the deal that Doug Peterson didn't want to take a few years ago, right? He said, you know, we're going to, we're going to put in experienced guys uh, at offense coordinator, and defensive coordinator. It's not your offense anymore. Your offense isn't working, but we, you can still oversee everything. I just, I don't know what Sirianni is going to do this year. And I do think he's, I think this is a, I don't know. It's not for sure a lame duck scenario. Cause if they play well this year, if they get to the NFC championship game, they, you know, win a playoff game or two here and there, Nick Sirianni's not going anywhere uh, unless there's some locker room thing that happens that we can't anticipate right now. But if things go sour, he's gone. I mean, it's, there's, there's no, he's run out of wiggle room. He's gone if things don't go well this year. So he it's, it's kind of a one-year trial to see if Nick Sirianni as the CEO head coach, who's going to be in charge of vibes. Uh, I don't know. He's going to be in charge of 
connection connection you know getting the players rowing in the same direction uh motivation in-game decisions um you know i think that the eagles he does do some things well with going for it on fourth down you look at the you look at the metrics on that there are some moments we disagree with for sure with nick sirianni but overall i think he's aggressive when he needs to be so he does some things well i'm just not sure it's enough that he would be a head coach over two experienced coordinators so i don't know how this is all going to work out it, it really is going to depend on on whether or not what the players are saying in the public about their faith and trust in nick sirianni is true or not whether they're just telling us what we want to hear they don't want to throw a good guy under the bus i, I don't know where it's it's going to play out here in, in 2024 it seems it's just there have been ceo head coaches at work and there have been some that haven't i hope that he is a john harbaugh and i hope that he's not uh uh he's not the name of the cowboys former head coach flop, Jason flop. Garrett Jason Garrett thank well, you I hope that's what it reminds yeah. me of because yeah. Jerry Jones took Jason Garrett's power away it was his offense and said guess what you can't run the offense that's the closest template mm. to what they've done to Nick Sirianni um boy yeah on, on paper it doesn't look good to and, me, and the ironic thing about that is who did they hand the power to when they took it away from Jason Garrett Kellen Moore. Kellen yeah. Moore. Mm-hmm. And who yeah. are the Eagles handing it hand to yeah. Kellen Moore? Kellen yeah. is the replacement for the neutered head coach. Mm. All right. Um, if we can all agree that the offense went backwards this year and Brian Johnson played a hand in on it, how much he did, I know there's room to debate. Mm. Uh, the word that Sirianni leaned on a lot was the meshing, mm. the meshing of the new offense while still keeping in place the things that did work for him the last three years. We'll we'll all decide whether the meshing works or not. How much do you put on the Brian Johnson's plate? Was he asked to do too much? Did we overstate the connection between he and Jalen Hurts? Like John said, first-year guys growing pains, how much do you have to factor that in? Brian Johnson was fired after one year. Rightfully so, overreaction, couldn't have gotten, gotten him out of there any faster than they did. What was your read on Brian Johnson's one year as Eagle coordinator? It just didn't work. Uh, I, and I, it's again, we're, we're, it's, I don't know exactly where the breakdown occurred. I thought Brian Johnson, having been the quarterback's coach, having been intimately involved in the offense the, the last couple of years, I thought he'd be able to slide into that play calling job, the offensive coordinator job smoother than it appears that he did. It also appeared that there was some, there was some philosophical differences between uh, in-game decision-making with with a more conservative Sirianni and a Johnson who wanted to go for it, passing the football a little bit more in certain situations. And they just didn't work well together. Now I think if it's 2021 and the Eagles are building something, you can have an offensive coordinator that's rough around the edges and give that offensive coordinator time to grow because you can deal with a nine and eight season or or an eight and nine season, and it's and it's not the end of the world because you're building towards something. When you were in the Super Bowl the year before, and it's Super Bowl or bust pretty much every year with a, a Jalen Hurts in his prime and AJ Brown in his prime, Devontae Smith. You know, you've you've got some guys on this team that if they don't get there in the next year or two, their chances of getting there fall off a cliff. So. Having a first-year offensive coordinator who maybe wasn't quite ready for the job is a killer. You just can't have that when you're a Super Bowl contender. And it yep. just it, there was there were butting heads in terms of the direction of the play calling. And I struggled to think. I, I can't understand why that wasn't anticipated 
before the season, seeing as how Brian, you had Brian Johnson in the building these last couple of years. If there were philosophical differences, how did that become a surprise during during the season that these guys couldn't see eye to eye, that they couldn't agree on personnel, uh, down in distance situations? And that that to me is hasn't really been fully explained. And Jalen Hurts factors into all of this as well. How much was Jalen Hurts going off script? Who who was he listening to? Was he listening to Sirianni or Johnson, or was he doing his own thing? And, and kind of going off the reservation a little bit, too. I think all three guys have an equal share of the blame. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jeffrey likes to assign blame. But I think that I think if we want to assign blame, shouldn't we go back 12 months and say, all right, you know, as you pointed out, John, um, you got Super Bowl expectations. You want to go back to back and you're hiring the first time offensive coordinator and you're hiring a defensive coordinator with very little experience. Um, who's to blame for that? Isn't that where the, the, the sort of ecosystem started? Like that's the mistake. Mm-hmm. Now you self-corrected, you go with Vic Fangio who has, you know, it's been around since the early forties. I think <laughs> he's been around forever. Um, and you have counting more. This will be a six years as an offensive coordinator. So you've made the overcorrection. Who gets blamed for just, eh, we'll elevate Brian Johnson, we'll hire Sean Desai. By the way, you know, when people say Denard Wilson got uh, uh, finally got a D.C. job with Tennessee, congratulations to Denard. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of players wanted him elevated, but he would have been a first-time defensive coordinator. So I think that is kind of, you know, why is everybody talking about that? Because he would have had growing pains as well as a first-time defensive coordinator. Now, mm-hmm. The timing didn't work out with Vic Fangio. That's not their fault. They wanted Vic last year. But the offensive coordinator, if that's your expectation, why are you hiring a novice, Jeffrey Laurie? That's where I (laughs) want to point it at. Yeah. Why are you accepting that? I I think that they saw him as being being instrumental in Jalen Hurts' catastrophic growth. Not catastrophic. Sorry. Uh, Like the, the, the huge leap that he made. Yeah. Right. And, and from 2021 to 2022, where he transformed from being a run first guy who who couldn't really throw the football to being a guy. Defenses coming into 2022 said, we're going to let Jalen Hurts throw the football on us because we don't believe that he can do it. And Jalen said, OK, let me show you that I can do it. And he threw the ball everywhere. I mean, you watch highlights from last year. He's throwing the ball over the middle. He's hitting every throw, slants, curls, outs verticals, everything. He's got it all in the tool belt, and he's adding that running element, which we didn't see this year either. Defenses came into this year, and we're like, okay, well, now we know that he can throw the football, so we got to try something different, and Nick Sirianni didn't adjust for one thing, so that's where Nick Sirianni takes a lot of the blame here, is not recognizing that defenses started playing them differently, and then in Brian Johnson, I think that the mistake where was there in thinking that if if things went south, if things didn't work out, they just assumed that he would grow in the role as the year went along. And instead it went in the opposite direction that he couldn't, he couldn't pull them out of it. And maybe that was because Sirianni's driving that train. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I think he got, I think Johnson probably got a little bit of a raw deal here in, in 2023 that he's, that he got moved out. I don't know that this was mostly his fault even, but I mean, you just, you can't take the chance in 2024 that it was just a growing pain and that he'll figure it out in 24. You just, you don't have that luxury here with this Eagles team, the way it's constructed. I'll use an analogy that I know both you guys will get because you're baseball guys. Um, 
you call a hot prospect up from the minors. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty high draft pick. He's put up killer numbers in the minor league. Not only do you call him up to the big leagues, but you put him into the number five slot in the order and you play right. him every day. And guess what? He hits 098. Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, growing pains. We're just going to have to live with it. You correct your mistake. You move on. You send it back down to the minors. Go get 400 more in minor league at bats. That will bring yeah. you back up again. Sorry, that's what happened to Brian Johnson. Was it an incorrect evaluation? Yes. The general manager who calls up the guy who hits 098. Yeah, it goes on his record. It goes on Jeff Lurie's record, too. But <clears> guess what? He doesn't get judged. He's the owner. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He's not. That's he true. doesn't have to worry about his that's, job when that's he gets very calls true. like that wrong. That's right. very and, true. And in the NFL, you can't send your offensive coordinator down to the minors and no. make him the quarterback coach again. You, you know? send it, him off to greener yeah. pastures elsewhere. Good luck right. with that. All right. Um, one last AJ Devante thing. And uh, oh, will he be trade one for is the media, is it the fans? Sorry if we stepped on anybody's toes with the fans. Uh, it's the fans, it's the media, it's ever anybody who ever brought it up. Sorry, you're wrong. AJ Brown is going nowhere fast. Yesterday, Devontae Adams on the K Adams show said for Kellen Moore, just let us do what we do. That scares me a little because we found out in season that one play in Seattle, uh, Jalen and AJ just were kind of making it up on the fly and decided to go with the down the sidelines into double coverage pass that the coach afterwards comes out and goes, well, we're trying to draw a pass interference penalty. One of the dumbest things said in the National Football League all year, and he had to try and cover up for his guys. Love Devontae Smith, love A.J. Brown, new offensive coordinator coming in. His job is going to be yeah, guys, just go make it up as you, you feel like going down for you. Wow. Did that scare you at all yesterday when you heard that yesterday, John Stone? I, I actually didn't take his comments that way. The way okay. I the way I heard his comments was get us into the position so that we can do what we do. Right. I think there was frustration from those guys like AJ Brown. There was nothing called in the middle of the field for him. Devontae Smith could be like a, a an Iuke type player, moving him around yeah. in motion, getting uh, him. I think he's going to be the guy that yeah. is most in love with Kellen Moore's scheme. I think yeah. he's going to be that piece, John. I yeah, think and I, right. I, I, that was that was how I took that. It was like put us in the positions so that we can ball, so that we can get this team's offense going in the direction it needs to go. Because I think so much of the time last year, it was just run up the field and try to make a play. You know, try try to get some separation, try to make a play in the air. Get, get the contested ball down. And I, I think what they're saying is let us cook, man. Just get us get us in the positions we need to get in. Scheme us open. Give us some layups for Jalen Hurts so that we can get some easy eight, nine-yard passes so that not everything has to be the hardest throw in the world. That's yeah. how I took that. Not just, hey, let us do whatever we want to do. It was uh, let us let us do our thing. Yeah. Help us to do our thing. Yeah, I hope you're right. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I read, I read it differently. It. And yeah. is, is, I mean, that's pessimistic. the thing. I apologize I, for being pessimistic. I hope you're right, Stolas. <laughs> I, 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 I know Devontae a little bit. So, I, I mean, Devontae doesn't know Kellen Moore from Adam. I guarantee you. So, he hasn't met him yet. He's like, um, yeah, just let me do what I do because I'm yeah. pretty good. I don't I don't think it was anything more than that as, as per situation. But I'll end it there with you, uh, John. One more thing Devontae said. And this is no confirmation, but he said 
Chad Johnson was out there. Chad Ochocinco mm-hmm. loves Philadelphia. I, I yeah. don't understand it, but yeah. he's lobbying to be the Eagles wide receivers coach, which is not going to happen. Right. And Kay asked him about it because Chad's, you know, very vocal. And he excited. He said, I love Ocho, man, but I'm excited. A Amo Aaron Moorhead is back is here. So I'll go with what we have. I'm excited. He's still with us. By no means is that confirmation. Cause as I said, Devonte has, you know, probably doesn't know, but the door's open. Aaron Moorhead hasn't been told to look for other jobs, not just him. If it's Jamal Singleton, a few of the guys, Tracy Rocker, obviously is not going to be back. Would you, would you have an aversion to some of the guys coming back or would you see that as a positive on the coaching staff to at least have a few people that have been loyal in the past mm-hmm. in Nick Sirianni? Well, and I think even just for continuity's sake, because they want to incorporate some of what Sirianni's doing, right? They don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There, there's got to be some aspects of what Sirianni's scheme is about that is still effective. The offense was somewhat productive. It was a top 10 offense last year, yeah, despite yeah. all of these different things. So I don't think you're going to get rid of everything Sirianni's doing. And I think you want to have some folks from the previous regime who are familiar with the players. Who can, who can help the new folks that Kellen Moore is coming in? So whether that's the wide receivers coach, whether that's, I mean, Stotland's going to come back, so the run game is going to be looking kind of the same. So there's going to be some guys who are coming back and that, that should come back who, who are effective and have experience and have been with Sirianni for the last few years. Those guys, I think some of those, but you want also Kellen Moore to have guys that he's comfortable with. So there... That could be an issue, you know, melding all of these different folks together. But that the hope is that you've got professionals here, an, an experienced guy in Kellen Moore who will know how to run his staff. He's run a staff multiple years and, and is comfortable calling plays. Nick Sirianni knows that his job is essentially to get all these guys working together. I think it's important that there be some holdovers with that are staying with Sirianni. If it's a whole new coaching staff outside of Jeff Stoutland, it's going to be like Sirianni's going to a new school, trying to find somebody to sit with at the lunchroom. You know, I mean, he's he's got to have some of his friends. Oh, but that Jeff, us, the lunchroom is the best place. Yeah. That's true. not a problem. You all make friends. The food's so good. Everybody That's makes probably friends right. at the lunchroom. That's room. probably right. Well, on the, on the team bus, then when they're when they're there going go. from the hotel. Yeah. To the Nick's got to sit by himself on the team bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's on his That's, phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's never a good sign. All right, Stolnis. Last question. Um, and again, I apologize. Somebody's going to kill me here on the stream. It's Birds 365. What the hell are you doing to ask about the Phillies? I know you know the Phillies inside and out. Mm-hmm. Under over at bats for Johan Rojas in the big leagues this year, mm. 325. You going under or over? I'm slamming the over on that because I, I it doesn't look like they're adding somebody here at the end of the at the end of the if listen if, if there's like a Jorge Soler who's like hanging on the market and it's like mid March and he wants to he's like I'll take a six million dollar one year deal they may do that and put him out in left field and then Rojas isn't going to see a whole lot of playing time but I, I don't think that's the direction we're heading so I'm I'm definitely hitting the over on that I'm I think you're looking at like 450 plate appearances this year for Rojas because I think he's going to start a lot. Yeah, and I think he starts opening day, which some people say, yeah. oh, he's going to be a AAA, and he's going to have to win his way back up. Yeah, what happens when he hits 320 in spring training? He's going to be <laughs> their opening day center together. Right. You and I are on the same place. Uh, Gail, glad to hear that. We uh, love having you on whenever you jump in. Johnny Stallness, you know we'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. Thanks for doing it today. Absolutely. Anytime, guys.
Thanks, Sean. Read him on Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure you catch his podcast, Eye on the Enemy. That's on the football side. You can certainly check out his uh, Hit and Season podcast as well. Johnny Stolnes, uh, good football and baseball guy. We love talking birds with him on Birds 365. All right, McDonald and McMullen coming back. Still got an hour left to play right at the top of the hour. Well, what do you know? Uh, we'll be hanging out with you. All right, hold on. I got to get this before we go to break. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in, Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you can do. Call managing partner, either Jim, uh, Jim or Fran, and tell them you are a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. 
Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. You got a Mac and Mac uh, Thursday morning get together. And uh, we'll see if the Eagles have any moves up their sleeve the rest of the week. Um, from your reporting and or talking to whoever you talked to down at uh, the Senior Bowl, I did not see yesterday whether Howie Roseman and or Nick Sirianni were uh, guys uh, who showed up in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, anything from many of your compatriots? I saw Dom was down there, Dom DeSandro. So if Dom's down there, somebody of value has to be down there. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen, uh, I have to double check on that. I didn't check yesterday because I was busy doing, uh, other stuff with, uh, uh, AJ Devante. They were doing their bounty, um, paper towel. That's why they were all over the place yesterday. They were doing something with bounty. Uh, so they're doing a bunch of interviews. So I was kind of mixed up in that all day, but, uh, yeah, I got to double check with people down there. Andrew Jacheca is going to be on the show. So he might have some information because Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff Mosher, our buddy Jeff Mosher's down there. So, um, yeah, but I was, uh, focused on other things, uh, yesterday. And you're allowed to be Howie. I'm not so sure. Um, I hope they're well-staffed down there and you're right. They've got scouts and, uh, part of. Yeah, I do know. I mentioned a couple guys, uh, uh, Jeff Scott from personnel was down there and, uh, Alec, uh, the assistant Alec Hallaby was down there. So I do know some people that was day one though. I didn't double back and check because I was caught up in other things yesterday. Right. Because, um, when Eagles make decisions, draft players, make trades, sign guys off the waiver wire, whatever. It's never just Howie. Howie gets all the credit when it works and Howie takes all the blame when it fails. But it is, uh, we talk about it probably too often in relationship to the team and the coaches and whatever. It's a collaborative effort. It is. Uh, sometimes it annoys me when they go down that road. We we need more details. We need to know who was the bottom line where the buck stops here. It's always going to be the general manager, but how he has a good staff and he trusts his staff. So if he's not in attendance, you have faith that uh, they'll they'll he'll still get the information he needs. But you want the main guy making the decision, which is what how he does have hands on eyes on and stuff like that so if he's not down there yeah i would question it a little bit if they were making a move every single day in the coaching staff like all right well he's kind of prioritizing coaching over watching guys in the senior bowl and they'll more trust their all entire seasonal scouting on a player and and the combine over what you get in an all-star game okay fine 
they we're not we, they haven't even officially named as you correctly pointed out john we haven't had an announcement that keller moore is the offensive no, coordinator not not official no issues he's going to be as i said you know the eagles tend to drag their feet and announce things officially when it comes to the coaching staff Vic was a little bit different um i don't know because of his reference uh, in the in the industry but uh typically they wait and you know they announce uh the assistance at the same time officially uh when they put the whole staff together last year the matt patricia stuff was hilarious because they put them up on the website took them down it was so weird you remember that story um and yeah, I texted. Unfortunately, when they took him down, they put him back up again afterwards. Yeah, it would have yeah. been better. Maybe they shut up. <laughs> I, 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 I texted. It was funny. I texted somebody at the Eagles. I said, when are you announcing Patricia? And they was like, what? How do you know that? And I go, you put it on your website. They didn't know. So some poor, I probably got some poor intern fired. Yeah. Because they didn't want it up there. That hit, quick. hit the wrong button, um, save rather than hold uh unfortunately for that individual i do want to uh, mention this uh if we've got and we know it's 99.9 percent eagle fans uh but every once in a while somebody check we got cowboy fans we got 49er fans they like to troll when the cowboys and or the 49ers are playing and or beating the eagles um if we have any raven fans sorry about that raven fans um not only did you lose this past week and uh, not going to the Super Bowl after having the best team during the regular season, your coaching staff got pilfered. Uh, they lose Mike McDonald yesterday to the Seahawks as their new head coach. They knew, lose Denard Wilson as their defensive back coach. He gets a job as a defensive coordinator. And I know it stinks, and there are probably Raven fans going, why, why do we keep losing these guys? Why do we hire these guys if we're only going to have a mature period of time? Because they're that good. Because they helped you have a 13-win season. All right, it didn't end the way you wanted. And you got beat by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah, a lot of people have had that curse fall them over the last several years. That's the way the league works. It just always... Yeah, it's not just the Eagles. But no. And, and that, I'm glad you brought up the Ravens because they also lost one of their personnel guys to the Chargers. It's going to go in out there with Jim Harbaugh, obviously the connection. He knows John pretty well. So, um, yeah, the Eagles, the Ravens are kind of the Eagles from last year. Exactly. But the Ravens got one game less. So That's at least true. he made yeah. it to the Super Bowl. But yeah, everybody, there were so many coaches on the Ravens that got interviews. It was astonishing. I mean, assistance for coordinator jobs, head coaching jobs, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the way it works. Yeah, when when you have success, other people want your people. That's just the the, the nature of the beast. And to get upset about it, or why would we do? Why would? Because you're trying to do the best you can. You're trying to win as much. You can't worry about the next season. You're in the moment in the season. Yes, Jonathan Gannon, and uh, unfortunately Shane Steichen, who had a pretty damn good year with the Indianapolis Colts and we saw what removing Shane Steichen from the play calling did to the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. That's just what you have to go through. There's no way to protect these guys. If they're going to get promotions and people want them, they're going to go. So you have to deal with it. So I'll say the same thing to Raven fans. I said the Eagle fans last year. That's the price of success. When you have success, there is a price to pay and you have to be able to deal with it. But I got one question for you, Johnny <laughs> Mac. You must be during this offseason wondering what the hell the NFL is thinking. 
seven coaching openings so far. Four yeah. of them have been filled by defensive coaches. The whole you got to have might that. Be, and I think Washington's going defensive because all their offensive options have been dried up. So they, they don't even have anybody they've talked to from the offensive side of the ball. Other guys, they obviously wanted Ben Johnson, but it went in a negative direction. Uh, and they might hire a defensive guy. Yeah, I'm surprised. But I'm always surprised. You know that. I'm always surprised by that. Um I don't have a problem with it. I think head coaching is more of a leadership thing than an X's and O's thing. So, uh, but I'm always surprised when in this era guys go towards defense, um, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Here's uh, uh, well, uh, if you're surprised by it, it's a good thing. Um, I, I, it's not a bad thing, but uh, is it a good thing? That depends on the individual. I mean, exactly. that, that that's what that's uh, you know, it's in other words, there's a but there's certain guys, and one of them's in Philadelphia, who's gonna hire an offensive guy. I mean, he's just gonna hire an offensive guy. That's just the way it is. And people can go back to Ray Rhodes. All right, go back to go back over uh three decades. So yeah. Um I, in today's game, he's gonna hire an offensive guy when he fires Nick Sirianni. Unfortunately, probably next year, if you want me to make my early prediction, he's going to hire an offensive guy. Um, you know, is that a good thing? No. You should probably be more open-minded. Um, is Mike McDonald going to be a great coach in Seattle? I have no oh, idea, no. but I have right. no problem uh, with going with a defensive mind because it's about leadership. It's it's about other things. Um you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. It's a cliche for a reason um, in the NFL. But everybody does it. Not everybody, obviously, proving. You get my point, though. I, I do, but um, yeah, you and I have been a little bit on opposite ends of this. I don't care whether you're an offensive guy or a defensive guy. If you're the guy, if you have the qualities that the organization wants, you can be on either side of the ball, as I'm concerned. It, it had nothing to do. I don't believe an offensive hire is a good hire or a defense hire is a good hire. A good hire is a good hire. I don't care what side of the ball you come from. But if you are on one side of the ball, you need to have that key other guy in your back pocket. That if you're a defensive football uh, coming in as a defense coordinator, come from the, you better know who you want as your offensive coordinator. And he better be ready to run your offense. You got to say, hire me and, oh, we'll make it up as we go along on the other side of the ball. That's why I'm okay when defensive guys get hired. If you truly believe that they are the leader of your guy, the connector of your team, okay, fine. Who's your offensive quarter? If you got that answer, boom, I can hire you. And we saw four guys, four out of seven, and it may be five out of seven. Well, yeah, four out of six so far. It could be five out of seven before uh, Washington hires that guy being defensive guys. Um, yeah, you don't have to hire an offensive coach. And you point out the Eagles who have, yes, uh, been doing it for like several decades. If their next coach is a defensive hire, I'm okay with that. If he's got a good offensive guy in mind to run the offense, to run the show. And oh, by the way, if we're talking about the Eagles, you know, who's going to pick that guy? That'd be Howie. I think the, uh, because of what happened here this year, the let the coach pick the, uh, uh, next, uh, coordinator, is probably gone by the wayside for not only Nick, but the next guy they hire as well. I don't think, well, you think they're going to go really big name if this flames out next year, John, and Sirianni doesn't even make the playoffs. He's gone as head coach. Um, 
you think they go big name for the first time in a long time? Because they've always gone with the up and coming young guy that they can mold and create slash. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, you, you heard the Belichick rumors start um, with Greg Bedard up in Boston. Um, you know, I see it a little bit because, as I mentioned yesterday on the show, how he has a really good relationship with the Patriots, not just Bill Belichick, but uh, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, uh, Dave Ziegler. Um, he's had a really good relationship with that. Jeffrey loves the organization. I uh, tried to buy the Patriots for those. He's from Boston, for those who don't know. He's a Patriots fan growing up. Um, he's got tremendous reverence for that particular organization. Um, so it's a little bit different. So take Belichick out of the equation, no way. The, the Jim Harbaugh, for instance, no. no not even a, a thought. But in, there's, there's, there's a good chance Belichick will be available next season, John. Well, he, he's the exception. You know, there's another exception. That's John Harbaugh. If the Eagles could have hired John Harbaugh, they would have done it numerous times. If you're a betting man and you're looking down the road for the next Eagles coach, I you want to put some shekels on something, put it on Lincoln Riley. Make some yeah. money. Put it on Lincoln Riley. Um, and, you know, coaches, Boston College coach, I've been talking about that. There are people fleeing college because of NIL and, and transfer portal. You got to constantly recruit a kid, not just one time every year right. to keep them uh, driving people crazy. I hear, Ooh, poor coach. That's not what I'm saying. Poor coach that they just, it's frustrating and they're looking to get out. I don't care your thoughts on should college players be paid different discussion. I'm saying guys are looking to get out. You had the Boston college, head coach taking a coordinator job in Green Bay. And you see a bunch of these college reporters saying it yesterday. This ain't going to be the only one. A lot of guys are looking to get, obviously, Jim Harbaugh being the most notable. Um, a lot of guys are looking. There's only a finite number of jobs. But I think the Eagles, I think Lincoln Riley would be ready to make the move. And if you want to, if you want to make some money and you can get those future odds, that's the guy I'd bet on. And, oh, by the way, um, and you and I both agree, Lincoln Riley has been like this with Harry Roseman. Shoot, I think uh, the their first invitee in to be their new offensive quarter, I think was at the behest of Lincoln Riley in USA. Uh, so I 100% agree with your stance. Real interesting to see how much power Lincoln Riley comes in with because the Eagles usually like to keep the power and not turn it all over. Nah, I, don't, I don't even think he wants it. He's one of those guys. I think he'll be fine, at least early on, and that's what the Eagles like. Yeah. Think so? Yeah. He comes in with a pretty good track record, albeit on a collegiate level. I'm not sure he just comes in and says, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever you guys say, as long as there's enough zeros at the end of the people check. Wanna, people are fleeing. because They want to flee. The college game right now um i i understand the story you just told and and it, it, it tracks it makes sense but other than harbor what college coaches jumped into the nfl this offseason pc pc head coach i forget his name he's the new uh defensive coordinator in green bay they just hired him yesterday um the boston college head coach for those who i don't know 
Andrew Trecheco is coming up. He might know his name. All right. Well, I wouldn't call two guys a mass exodus, but it if you're, uh, once again, looking into your crystal ball and projecting the future, I think you could be right. I think it's coming. I don't think it has happened yet. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Andrew DiCecco from InsideTheBirds.com in the green room, ready to join us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, joined by Andrew DiCecco from InsideTheBirds.com, both the podcast and the website. Uh, always fun when Andrew joins us. Um, just a couple of things we've already been talking about today, and I need your slant on it. Jason Kelsey, yesterday on his um, 
New Heights podcast really went to bat for Nick Sirianni. There's taking your coaches back. They're saying the right things. There's not stepping out of your lane. And then there's really endorsing. And that was just my take yesterday. Tell me if you agree or disagree that he went above and beyond to sing the praises of Nick Sirianni. Am I making too big a deal out of this? No, I mean, that sort of echoes what we heard at Locker Cleanout from Fletcher Cox, from Jason Kelsey, and some of the other key veterans. I think there's something to be said for that, Jody. Obviously, a lot of folks ask, what does Nick Sirianni do? Well, Jason Kelsey outlined that very well in just a brief statement. There's a lot of things that he does behind the scenes to get a lot of buy-in. And there's a lot of guys that, I mean, look, the season went off the rails, but never once, at least from my vantage point, did I ever chalk that up as guys quitting or, or a loss of uh, just a loss of confidence in the head coach. I, I think that it was just a, an aberration of things. It sort of just snowballed. But I think that you saw, you saw team, guys playing hard for their head coach, and that's exactly why. All right, Andrew, you are plugged into the draft. You're you're one of the best when it comes to the draft. The Senior Bowl is going on right now. Your buddy and our buddy Jeff Mosher's down there from inside the birds. Um, boy, I you know I look at this draft and I say to myself, the Eagles are picking twenty seconds, and uh, you know Daniel Jeremiah just came out with his first top fifty list, and and there's a lot of stinking offensive tackles in the in the top 20 i I'm, I'm almost at the point where i'm going to guarantee the eagles are going to take an offensive tackle it, number just, yeah because you're going to get value because there's so many of them somebody's going to get pushed down it's always about the individual prospect but there's so many big time offensive tackle prospects lane johnson's going to be 34 it's very early but let's kick it off with andrew DeCheco. eagles Tackle makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you mentioned Lane Johnson, and he's been in contact with Tyler Guyton, who is an Oklahoma product, and he is somebody that I have sort of filed away as somebody to consider at 22, given Lane Johnson's age, and also you don't, you just don't know. I mean, he he could retire at any time, right? I, I mean, he's someone who I believe it was just a couple of years ago that said I only want to play for a handful of, of years. Yeah, he did say he's got he, after this season he's coming back. So he, I'm I'm not worried about it this year. No, no, not but, for this year. You want to have you, you, know, you want to yeah. have uh, uh, someone in place that can kind of learn under him and be able to develop so that when you're plugging him in the year after he, he's ready to go. Another player that I look at at 22 is Quinn. Oh, hold Mitchell. on, t- t- time out, Philadelphia. I got to jump in here. Are both of you guys telling me that in a year where the Eagles need a center or a guard, depending on what Kelsey does, depending on whether you're moving or not, a center or guard, a defensive tackle if Fletcher Cox is not coming back and is going to be elsewhere, a defensive end because, oh, by the way, the first-round draft pick you took at number 30 didn't do diddly squat the entire year, and you need depth at that position. <laughs> Linebacker, safety, quarterback, all bigger needs than tackle, which well, you have Lane Johnson yeah. and Jordan Maialata. The guy's going to sit on the bench. You're going to use your first-round draft pick on a guy who's never going to get in a game? Are you two nuts? Well, hold on. The second the second player, what I was going to say, is Kenyon yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell. I knew you were the, going the, there, the, by the, the way. Corner, the corner from Toledo. I mean, prototypical size, six foot, 196, physical and a lot of questions he's going to have to ask and he has checked those boxes this week in mobile from all accounts being a mac player you wonder how you're going to 
how you're going to size up the, you know, the competition there and, and, and go against higher caliber players. And I think that he's, he's answered that. And you can see that on the clips so, floating around on social media. He's somebody that when you look at Darius Slay, look at James Bradbury, outside of Keely Ringo, they really don't have any player that you can count on as being a building block as far as the cornerback position. So I think you have to consider that there. Jody, you mentioned center and guard. You rattled that off early. I mean, for they would have to be awfully special to take that to take yeah, either of take, those positions yeah, in the first yeah. round. Plus, they have you know, look, they think Cam Jergens is going to be the long term center. They think mm -hmm. Tyler Steen's going to be a guard. Uh, uh, so they have sort of pieces in place. They have to develop them. There's no guarantees, but they 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 do have some pieces in place at those particular positions. Young pieces. And, and by the way, corner. But I, I look at it this way. First of all, we know Howie's mentality. But if you go in the grocery store and you see, well, this is stocked. You know, we, we got, we got and, and this is brand name, whatever you like. Uh, and, and it's stocked well versus you go over to the other thing and maybe there's, oh, a lonely piece of, uh, 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 a lonely product sitting by itself. Mm-hmm kind of cornerback. So if you sit there and I don't believe somebody like, like uh, uh, Quinion is going to be there because he's going to get pushed up the board, mm -hmm. no corners and the tackles, they're all over the place and they're going to get pushed down the board. And there's where that value meets with Howie Roseman. And he's going to default to offensive line because you have value and a bunch of guys. That's where my that's where my thinking is. Early. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's still very early, but I sort of see it the way that you're saying it, John. As far as Quinny Mitchell, it's arguably one of the Who's most the impressive best players. Quarter? Who's the second best corner in in this draft? And where is he going to go? Yeah, the Italian Arnold is going to be the number one guy. Kool history. Yeah, I mean, there's there are there are players that they, that are going to be there, but I think Quinny Mitchell is really elevating his stock in Mobile. So. We're, we're to the point where he may very well not even be available at 22. Uh, Therian Arnold is a player that I like a lot from Alabama. He also should should garner some consideration, but um, they need to do something with that defensive backfield. There's actually a couple of safeties that I like in the second round and a linebacker, yeah, by I the way. Mentioned, I should have mentioned Arnold, yeah. But um, I, there's not compared to I'm, – I'm stunned how many names when I pulled up uh, Daniel's list. I, I, there's there's like eight tackles in the top 20. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and and to me, I look at Tyler Guyton right off the bat, having that chemistry with Lane Johnson, um, playing it out at Oklahoma, I should say. I, I feel like he has the measurables, and he, that's kind of right around where I envision him slotting in. So, I mean, that would make sense, John. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see, but they certainly need to address the defensive backfield in, in a big oh, way yeah. this offseason as well. I do like Ringo, though. As a, 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 I think he showed a lot of, and he wasn't great in training camp. And maybe he's just one of those guys who's a game time player, not a practice player. But I do look at him and say, all right, he showed me that he's got a chance to develop into something. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I don't know that you want to go into the season kind of like no, they did, no. kind of like they did with the Kobe Dean, thinking. We have a, a plug and play guy here. No, I, I, no, I, too. yeah, but they're going to keep Slay. Uh, Slay's going to be back. I think they have to make a dip a difficult decision 
eat some money with Bradbury, unfortunately, because I love Bradbury personally. But yeah, you know, I do too. And so does Jody. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. I love him as a player. And then he had the season he had. Which he's a great I, guy, man. And you just, yeah, he you is. Gotta, you got to be genuine to yourself and you got to say the guy fell off the cliff. And you have to deal accordingly, even if you love him as a guy. And I did love him as a player, but he had such a regression. Yeah, I think quarterback, I think safety, I think defensive line will all come before tackle. I, I'm sorry. Uh, but they're not, but they're not going to reach. Um, this isn't a good edge class by all counts. And um, I think that positional value was, was Nolan Smith a reach. No, because there there were many that were speaking that 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 was tremendous value. Me being one of them. Now he did have, and some, then they had, had the some... season. So uh, I'm not right. asking you what you thought a year ago. I'm asking you now. Well, with yeah, the result, you, you can't give up but, on Nolan Smith. I, I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think one. You have to. Uh, you have to acknowledge that there are going to be growing pains with young players. Everybody progresses at a different at a different level. But at the time, I thought that was a home run. And going through my whole extensive pre uh, pre draft evaluation process, I really like what Nolan, what Nolan Smith can bring. And I don't. I think it would be foolish to turn the page on, on a player like that after just one season. We'll have to see how he does against a competent defensive with a competent defensive coordinator and Vic Fangio, and how he's going to be utilized. All right. So let me ask both of you guys: How does he fit his game? And you're hoping there's still grow to it. But his game, the way he plays the game, how does he fit in the Fangio system? Is I know it's very similar to the one that they ran this year, but Vic does things a little bit differently. Is he a better fit? Is it, hey, we're going to do it the exact same way again? Or is it, uh-oh, yeah, this isn't even going to be as good as it was, and it wasn't damn near good enough last year. Mm. Yeah, no, he, he's got to get stronger. He's, he's got to develop his play strength, no doubt about it. But he, he's a pass rusher. I know he cross-trained a little bit at linebacker last year, but that, that's not that's not what he is. He drafted him to be a pass rusher. I think you need to see that through. He, he needs to do some things developmentally on his end this offseason to be able to combat some of the offensive tackles that he's going to be going against. But we'll, we'll have to see. That that's what I that's what they drafted him to be, and that's what he that's what I think he'll be long term in this uh, defense. Yeah, uh, Andrew, you know personnel wise, one of the first things you're taught uh, is don't scout the helmet. Um, because obviously you can get enamored and some would argue the Eagles got a little bit too enamored with Georgia players, especially early in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you scout names though? I mean, this is a genetics league. I I heard somebody say that last year and now, you know, John Alt's kid is out there. Um, there's another McCaffrey coming. Yeah. Luke McCaffrey from Rice. Uh, Yeah. yeah, He's a a player that I, I wrote about him and, uh, you look at the Eagles needing a number three receiver. Kellen Moore uses a number three receiver. Slot guy. Yeah. I see McCaffrey and I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah I might, I might take him. <laughs> he's, he's good. He's very good. He's, you know, 6'2, 200 pounds, good body control, work in the middle of the field. I mean, it, it fits what the Eagles need. So, I mean, it, yeah, I, I think sometimes, John, you can look at the names, right? And, and become enamored with it. And, and I then speaking of names. Is there any chance Jeremiah Trotter Jr.? Yeah, I should have mentioned that's where I was segue. going. Yeah. Great, great that's segue. where I was going next. And well I, well I, done, Jody. And and I think you have to. I mean, look, if it goes like you and I were talking about this earlier this week, Jody, I don't just think that Jeffrey Lurie is going to tell Howie we got to get players in here. I think Vic Vangio is saying, look, right. I need capable linebackers and capable safeties, two of the most crucial components to my defense. 
to be able to run it effectively and, and operate at maximum capacity. So with that being said, I think you look at the second round, Jeremiah Trotter's name's going to be there. Is that higher than the Eagles would normally reach for a linebacker? Yes, but these are different circumstances. You have, you're going to have to cater and meet the demands to satisfy Vic Fangio. So, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely would do that if I'm the Eagles because he's a plug-and-play guy and a difference maker, and that's what they need. Uh, give me two or three other players you like for the Eagles that fit into what you think, and we don't even know. We know what sure. Vic wants to play defensively. Uh, we kind of know what Kellen Moore does from his previous stops, but guys that you think might fit, it doesn't have to be the first round. could be, as you mentioned, McCaffrey, yeah. middle round, slot receiver. Yeah, Edron Cooper, second round, linebacker, Texas A&M. Cole Bishop, safety from Utah in the second round. He slots right in there with one of right where the Eagles will be picking with two of their uh, second round picks. Uh, Javon Board, the safety from Georgia, is another player who's really interesting on the back end. You look at the running back like Dylan Lobb. I, he's a dual threat running back. He's going to be a day three guy, but he's a pass catcher. He would fit in tremendously in what Kellen Moore is looking to do offensively and complement whoever they choose to bring in, whether it's a DeAndre Swift or a power running back, whoever. Um, those those are some. I mean, Utah is another safety at the Senior Bowl who I who I think um, has done has done a nice job. You talked about Kuwait McKinstry. Kuwait McKinstry, right there, is is a plug and play guy. Um, at the end of that, easy first for round. headlines too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the Eagles got the Kuwait McKinstry, something like yeah. that. Drinking the yeah. Kool Aid. Drinking yeah, the Kool Aid. That would be where you're going yeah. with that. All right. Um, interesting that you dis- uh, the way you described the running back and the interest they may have. What is Kenneth Gainwell's Kenneth Gainwell's role on this team going to be next year? Is he going to be part of the mix? Is he going to actually have a chance to win the lead spot? Have they given him a shot and ready to move on? What is your read on Gainwell as we head into the offseason? Uh, your favorite, your favorite, Jody. Yeah. Um, Kenny Gainwell is to me, and John jump in, but I, I feel like he's just a player that's going to continue to hold the same role that he always has. I, I think that as we've seen over the past few years, the pieces have changed around Kenny Gainwell, but but he stayed in the same role, and I would anticipate that being much of the same. Situationally, he's going to be an impact guy, but is he going to be like a a one B to a one to someone's one A, whoever they bring in. I don't think so. I think he's going to continue to be a, a third down changeup runner, dependable guy that they can count on in two and four minute offenses, and, and not much more than that. Uh, Big Dom was on the sidelines <laughs> yesterday. I don't know if you talked to Jeff and Adam, Adam Kaplan, uh, who are down there. Um, Howie and Nick haven't shown up. It's weird right. that Dom is there, uh, but they aren't. Um, what do you think's going on with the Eagles? When it, they have too much to do up here. Well, um, so I was, it's, it's kind of weird because in the in past years you're starting to see less and less representation at yeah, the All Star. I told Jody that yesterday. It's happened. <laughs> that, yeah, it started with Sean McVay and Les Snead, but go ahead. And, and that's true. That, that that and I think right now you're seeing teams that are more apt. They or they the, their thought process may be that I can get more work done away from here. You can send a few different representatives there to to scout it. And um, look, the Eagles have a lot of they, they have a lot more important things to do right now. It's let's face it, filling out a coaching staff, figuring out what the heck happened, how they're going to take the next step forward. And I think having a few boots on the ground over there is going to be adequate enough. They're going to report back, of course, with all the, the data and things that they've been able to divulge down in Mobile. And while you have the, you know, Howie and Nick and, and, and Brass back at the headquarters. And maybe it's because I come from a scouting background 
and in my DNA is both being in charge and dictating and using other people's information and also getting yourself because my father was both a general manager and a scout for 25 years. Yeah, I want to see stuff with my own eyes. I'm sorry. I, yes. as much as I trust my scouts, I have to believe in my scouts, my organization. I, I want a firsthand look. That That's the way I would handle it if I were Harry Roseman. Now, oh my God, we got to make sure we're handling the wide receiver coach position. No, more important, who's going to be your second round draft pick for me than. Oh, sure. Pick. But, you know, that if, if there is anything where there's a player that really jumps out, Maybe like, you know, in past years, Juan Thornhill really stood out. And Tim Houck actually went to Virginia to put him through his pro day. Oh, workout. I love Tim Houck. Yeah, Tim, Houck. Tim, Tim Houck, one of the biggest hitters that I've that I've seen yeah. play. Uh, Titus Howard, Jody, um, and John, I'm sure you guys remember. Yeah. He was a, yeah. a prospect the Eagles were very enamored with. I reported that he came to Philly on a top 30 visit. Jeff Stoutland went to uh, Alabama State to put him through his workout. So if there is interest, there will be, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to to make it work yeah and do some you want to know some some, i'm looking for this on bleeding green nation uh, excuse me on inside the birds and or sports illustrated how many guys did eagles have in last year for their visits and how many ended up as eagles and how many ended up as players and how many ended up as drek i that that'd be a, a good article for one of you two guys to do go ahead feel free to fight over it um <laughs> going back and reviewing who showed up for the visits last year and what they actually did? Because I, I just remember, I couldn't even give you the names, but going, really? Okay. That sounds like an idea. What the hell are they thinking there? Uh, and shame on me, I don't remember what they are. But that, that'd that be an interesting way to do some 2020 hindsight, look back on it, since you're saying that is, in your eyes, Andrew, a kind of tip of the tip of the cap as to what they yeah would be doing yeah I mean you only get so many of those so the fact that you're if you're going to burn one for lack of a better term on a player you're obviously showing that you are in, intrigued and you want to get a closer look in that one on one walk them through the facility give them you know put them through the you know that one on one tutorial and get to know them a little bit um, that, that's you don't just do that to you know as a smoke screen or to throw a team off whatever it is you do that because there's genuine interest i i I would say though you know sometimes meetings can be negatives in the fact that you meet with somebody and you're ruling them out because the meeting didn't go the way that exactly so i think the assumption is when fans see oh the eagles met with so-and-so it's always positive. It's not necessarily positive. No, right? I, it can no. also go in a negative direction. So I think people have to keep that in mind. You know, Jody and I were talking about, I couldn't remember. It's Jeff Hapley. Jersey uh, guy. Yeah. Uh, Boston college coach is going to be the defensive coordinator of the green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. um, Pete Thamel from ESPN mentioned, we were talking about, I, I was saying, you know, a lot of college coaches looking to get out of, uh, 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 college because of how difficult it's become he, he and and the quote he got was he wants to go he wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football college coaching has become fundraising nil recruiting your own team and transfers so there's no time to coach football anymore that's sort of the mentality now my question to you as somebody who does this all the time personnel how difficult does it make it or does it make it more difficult when you have guys hopping from program to program every year 
And obviously, if you're at Alabama, you know, you got a better supporting cast than if you go play at Toledo or somewhere like that. And you see guys transferring all over the place. Does that make it more difficult? Yeah, not only players, but coaches. I mean, there, there's many instances, John, that I, when I've reached out to coaches, looking at it, looking closer at a specific position, and you realize that, oh, they're at this school now, or they're, at, they're, they're an assistant head coach at this program. I mean, lack of continuity, I mean, to me, I mean, continuity, I should say, is one of the more crucial elements to a successful, stabilizing situation. And you don't really see a lot of that in college football, especially in recent years. And that's where I see, I see your point, where I think it really does impact uh, and, and muddy the waters, I would say, um, in terms of product and, and sustainability. So let's take it to an individual level. Uh, great point, both you and John making about players just up and going. Basically, what it comes down to in college these days is you're a free agent every year. There's no long-term contracts. You go, you change, you move, mm -hmm. you do whatever the hell you want. You're evaluating two players, same position. The tape comes back the same. The grade comes back the same. One guy stayed put for four years and played for that university the entire time. The other guy transferred twice played for three different teams in four years. Which player are you looking at? If, well, if, if that's a tie-breaking thing in your mind, someone who did take the next best offer, was willing to change, relearn, there's an upside to it too, changing teams, or the guy who was loyal and said, I committed to go to this university. I'm staying right here and not knowing all the NIL details. They, they upped his payment every single year. Uh, loyalty versus the ability to move around and prove yourself another position. What do you yeah. think is a more valuable tool? Yeah, there's obviously two sides to it. So I think there's an appeal to somebody who does bounce around and go to different programs because you're showing an ability to learn different systems, which mm -hmm. obviously when you're looking at translating to the pro level, that's very appealing. But there's also something to be said for loyalty and sticking with the program and continuity and getting um, just really – owning your role and, and, and being dedicated to a program. And I think that also shows a lot of dedication, which is also something that many coaches look for in the evaluation process. So that to me, I'm looking at the guy who stays somewhere for all four years and stays committed to a program and works through growing pains and, um, you know, just, just has to fight through challenges. So would I. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a big continuity guy, so we want continuity on a different level, but I haven't talked about it with you, continuity on the coaching level here in Philadelphia. Um, your overall thoughts of the way Jeffrey Laurie has handled this and set up this situation, because um, well, if they win, everything's fine. But if, if they struggle a little bit, uh, the questions are going to, pop up pretty quickly and we know how many sure. people cover this team on a daily basis how many people talk about this team on a daily basis has Jeff Laurie set up Nick Sirianni to fail I, I mean I think so this is a really difficult situation for Nick and I do think that it was a knee-jerk reaction to completely overhaul the coaching staff when they when they appointed Brian Johnson to OC the school of thought should have always been that this is going to be a two year project for lack of a better term, right? You got to give coaches a chance to develop. And when you don't do that, I think that it's totally malpractice because now you're seeing him getting league wide interest. Most recently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the offensive coordinator position. Um, Sean, the size got a couple of bites. Now I didn't think Sean did a great job. And I think that the Eagles 
appointed two guys who were really new to their role on a team that was ready for a Super Bowl. So I don't think that either of them were ready to run the show. But I think the optics are bad, you know, to, to kind of just get rid of those both of those guys when you stood behind them. You were so sure these were the ones that directed to the promised land. And, and now Nick Sirianni has to take a step back and take on a CEO managerial delegation type of role. Doesn't have a whole lot of say as to what his coordinators are going to do now. So your fate more or less relies in their hands and you're, you're powerless to a degree. So it's really tough if you're Nick Sirianni, you're sort of painting into a corner and it, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. Look, you have two big personalities that just came in. Well, Kellen Moore, I'm not so sure about, but Vic Vangio, certainly. And I think the more personalities you add in there, you wonder if Nick Sirianni is going to feel comfortable jumping in, if he's going to get overriding, overrided in certain regards. So, I mean, it just right now seems like it's a, uh, a really murky situation to navigate if you're Nick. And if it goes sideways early, I mean, man, that, that's going to be, it could be ugly. I, uh, John just reminded me earlier in the show about the Matt Patricia info leaking out because the Eagles <laughs> accidentally put it on their website mm. that he was part of their staff. I'd completely forgotten about that. That was funny. Uh, but a big, a big reason that was, uh, as Emily talked about it was, was, that Darius Slay and Matt Patricia had the relationship that they did in Detroit, a.k.a. not good. Um, but apparently they worked through it, and Matt wasn't in a major position to affect Darius up until he got the play-calling responsibilities. Darius is a guy you have to handle with kid gloves. That's just my opinion. And John said just within the last 20 minutes, oh, Darius will be back, which I probably agree with. I'm not as 100% as John is, but – if I if it's thumbs up, thumbs down, yeah, he's going to be here. How are Darius Slay and Nick Fangio going to get along? Oh, well, that that's that to me is one of the the big questions when you look at how certain players are going to respond to an authoritative, strict disciplinarian, as someone put it to me, that the Eagles are getting. Yeah. The other two players that I would look at to see how they're going to respond to some pushback are Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, two players that have always been at the head of the class that probably haven't been challenged as much. Now you're going to have a 65-year-old coach that's a no-nonsense type of guy that's going to demand excellence, and that's really the foundation of the defense, and he's going to put a lot of onus on them to, to be able to carry out um, his defensive vision. So – those two guys and Darius Slayer are the three players that I'm really looking to see how they <clears throat> take to some really tough coaching. Someone who is a grown up in the room that's going to to demand excellence and be, uh, you know, a strict disciplinarian. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm Carter and Davis 100% agree. I you, you got to see how that unfolds and and that's the foundation. I think that's you have to build point. this yep. defense on those two guys. That's where it, it's going to start with Slay. I'm not going to say because Matt Patricia exists, obviously. I'm not going to say he gets along with everybody, but he gets along with like 99% of the people. Yeah, he sure does. This, he he I, sure I, does. I don't get this Slay narrative where because he's loud, he's obnoxious at times, he's very energetic, but everybody loves the guy. I mean, he's a good teammate. Everybody raves about him. He's a team captain. He's a great. He's a great dude. We, I mean, I, yeah. we love we love talking to him. Um, great I, dude. I you, I you just you sort of equate that. You can't help but equate that, John, to to the Matt Patricia. In in that, that's the only thing that you have to really go off of. Like, 
the one coach who can maybe press some buttons and, and have you think in a certain way, you know, he might be thinking, Hey, I'm 33 years old. I, I don't need this. I can go somewhere else and, 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 and thrive. I don't have to deal with, you know, clashing with my DC every day and coming to work with, you yeah. know, a but, you know, and, and then going back to big, I'm more concerned about the Nick Sirianni, Kellen Moore dynamic because the organization knows big, everybody loves big in, in the Eagles organization. Um, Kellen Moore's the outsider coming in to take over Nick Sirianni's baby. So that's sort of that to me, that there that's wrought with potential hurdles mm -hmm. and difficulties with Vic. Like everybody loves Vic. Nick loves Vic. Nick gets along. Howie loves Vic. Jeffrey loves Vic. Um, I think Vic's fine. But it's I, one thing, it's one thing to like him when he's coming in in, in a consultant type of role. It's another thing to sort of gauge how he is and be able to digest who he might be as a person when you're yeah, working well, alongside well, I, him every day. I think the big problem is maybe everybody's caught up to the scheme because mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. many people use it. That's my issue with Vic. But as far as – and I see coming off Miami, and that's why I worry about the younger players. You know, Will he push Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis? Yes. And will they take to that pushing that, that part of it? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Right. something really interesting about Kellen Moore, though, and and I do think that it's something that bears watching, especially the fact that the Eagles look they interviewed him to be their head coach. So, like, yeah. obviously there was interest there, and he he's coming in to take over Nick's uh, Nick's offense. And if he sees some success, and Nick struggles as a whole with situational calls and things like that, I mean, man, Jody's going to be fielding an awful lot of calls mm -hmm. about Kellen Moore. Should he be taking over? Yeah, uh -huh. that's not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you can follow him on X, uh, pretty simple, at Andrew DiCicco, D-I-C-E-C-C-O, and read him on InsideTheBirds.com and on their podcast. AD, good stuff as always. We'll get you on in a couple of weeks. Thanks for doing it today. Pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Andrew bud. DiCicco from InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Bird podcast. All right, McDonald McMullen coming back. What are we going to do? Somebody mentioned it on a stream already, and you know, I'm not going to say it now because you already said it. We're going to finish the show. Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first!
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Sorry to disappoint my buddy Rob from Temple here on the stream. He was waiting for the usual throw the last break line that I use. We're just going to come back and finish the show today. Pretty uh, simple. No bow. No bow no, today. No bow. No, no uh, fuss. No muss. Um, Johnny Mac, I just uh, turned my head to uh, check out the NFL Network, and they were running down. Uh, Bucky Brooks was on there talking live from either the East-West Shrine game and or the Senior Bowl. I have Senior Bowl practices. And then East-West Shrine game tonight. Got to record that because everybody is uh, tuned into the Senior Bowl. But there almost always is a guy or two from the East-West Shrine who you say, oh, why is it Why why is his name a mobile? Uh, Even the evaluators can make mistakes. And the people put the invites out and whatever. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while slips through the cracks there. So I will make sure that yeah, I we gotta start. I'm going to start doing draft uh, prep this weekend. Um, got to we're we're going to get in the draft. Obviously, a lot in the upcoming weeks. Um, Which, oh, yeah. by the way, if you know this, please share. I should know it. I don't. Um, when do they come out with the compensatory picks? Because uh, I, I, it's one of those things, John. I I will readily admit to this, and we'll see if you do the same. I've read the how they formulate the compensatory picks math theorem that it's like how we figure out how many people listening to us. If it's a like button, it helps you. All that math shit goes right over my head. And I'm trying to comprehend how they come up with that. And I just, if I've read it once, I've read it 10 times. All right, this time I'm going to understand it when I read it. And I never understand it, but they do it the way that they do it. And people have speculated on how high the Eagle picks will be, how many compensatory picks they're going to get. I think the last one I saw was a third. And yeah, it, it, it basically has to do with um, contract size of the players you lost. Obviously, you have to a couple things. One, you have to lose more free agents than you've gained back, which the Eagles certainly did that this past the Eagles certainly did. 
Um, there's only 32 of them. So then when you get to that 32, it comes uh, the top compensate, which is third round. It doesn't go higher than the third round, That it, it which would be the Javon Hargrave signing. Um, that's as that's a size you can go. And then the 32 contracts. And once you hit that 33rd, you're out of luck. You're SOL. So if somebody, so it has to do with the rest of the league as well. Um, and so that's why nothing's guaranteed. One of my pet peeves is like, well, you'll just get a comp pick. Well, probably. In a I don't know. Not sure. Yeah. Not positive. Yeah. Not 100%. Now, if you're Howie Roseman, you're very good at it. He sets up things. So he knows he's going to get compensatory picks because he knows how many guys he's going to lose, how many guys he's going to sign. So that's all baked into it for Howie. Yeah, but were, again, hold on. He doesn't know either. He thinks he's got a pretty good no. grasp. Oh, you know. 95%. He doesn't know 100 because you don't know what the guys are going to sign for with other teams. Well, yeah. But you know that like the Hargraves of the world, you know, even the TJ Edwards of the world, you know, is going to be fifth round-ish. You, you don't have to be. Occasionally, you might get beat on, on those last couple picks where it becomes maybe somebody gets a better contract. But if you're a GM, you got a good feel. Um, certain spots are going to get you certain picks. So it's not completely blind. Uh, and especially when you get the higher level players who are signing decent contracts, you know you're going to get a, a pick as long as you don't bring somebody back. And that's part of the strategy as well. But last year, it was early March, March 9th, March 10th. Uh, when they announced the compensatory picks. So somewhere in that range okay. it'll be. Oh, by the way, the Eagles need those compensatory picks. Oh, and they're getting them. Uh, yeah, they're getting them. They they um, need them because they gave up some picks. Uh, 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 the buyer trade, they gave up a fifth and a sixth. So they need those compensatory picks this offseason. Uh, we're going to have to wait, John tells me, still uh, another five weeks before we find out. We shall see. All right, brother, uh, We who we got uh, tomorrow with us? Uh, Damo will be on for his usual Friday. Damo and John Mashoda from Dallas right. giving us a little Kellen Moore intel, which I think will be interesting. Uh, John knows Kellen Moore's uh, style very well. Uh, we haven't had Machado on since the Cowboys kicked the Eagles in the rear end down there in Dallas. So uh, he, he he can. Well, we can't. We're not going to get on each other's cases because the Cowboys flubbed a dub in the playoffs, too. So neither one of us should be doing any trash talking. We'll just have our buddy JM up tomorrow to give us some Kellen Moore insight. And our buddy Damo should be a good one tomorrow. McMullen McDonald right back here at 2-2. Two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.